April 21st, 2016, this is the Hermetic Hour, and I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we'll discuss my magical interplane novel, Adamson's Quest, and offer a dramatic reading of Chapter 11. Now, this fictional journey up the paths of the Tree of Life was begun back in 1979 in the old pamphlet-style Seventh Ray and has been continued in the new journal version of T7R since 1999. The final installment, Chapter 12, is in the works and should be ready by next week. Now, we did a show on Adamson four years ago that's still available in the archives for those of you who wish to more background on the story. Adamson's experiences reflect the anxieties of the times, the late 1970s. He tries to overcome psychosomatic illnesses, psychological neuroses, Freudian complexes, Jungian archetypes, and Kabbalistic paradoxes, while dressed as the fool in the tarot. Now, more recently, in the new new versions, he deals with contemporary problems, reptilian illuminati, pollution, invasion of privacy, social engineering, virtual reality, and military-industrial corruption. So, if you want to join uh, the 2084 Army's Virtual Reality Nanotank Corps, and battle giant mole crickets, Mike Charlie's, in the in the nine White House lawn. Then tune in and let's roll. Okay, now I went and reviewed that last uh, episode um, uh, four years ago um, on Adamson's Quest, and what I had done in that that. Uh, production, I read a little bit of the first chapter, and just a little bit of this last one that we did, uh, chapter 11, uh, just the tail end of it. Now, um, uh, tonight, because we are getting to the end of, well, actually, what's the first volume of Adamson's Quest, because uh, we bring him, uh, in this in this book, we bring him all the way up from Malkuth. Uh, up the paths all the way uh, to Hod and through Yassad and to Hod uh, and we have to play some interesting tricks to do that but uh, um, the uh, uh, synopsis of chapter 11 which is the, the chapter that we did back in, uh, uh, in in the green ray, the green seventh ray which which actually was came out about uh, four years ago and that's the last chapter we've done, so I'm presently working on the final chapter for this volume, that this is where Adamson finally makes it to the to the great library in Hod and meets his mentor, Hermes Trismegistus, and gets answers to his quest, and also answers to some of the paradoxes that he has uh, run into on his quest, and uh, especially this situation that we'll cover this evening. Um, because Chapter 11 is called Technopolis 2084, and uh, I'll read the synopsis uh, as, as we had it in the uh, in the uh, the last issue, the Seventh Ray, and bring you up to it. Enoch Adamson, the fool of the tarot, 
Having been sent on a quest into the Azura realm by T.G. Trismegistus to find himself, among other things, has adventured his way through the kingdom of the gnomes, the forest of fear, the mystery of sex, in his former incarnation as Perseus, who loved and murdered the pagan priestess Medusa. And he is captured and then escapes from the castle of Klingsor, the sorcerer in Yasod. And following the path of Resh, he is taken into the Solar Logos College, which turns out to be a utopia for emotion-suppressing nudists. Uh, imprisoned for rubbing noses and singing, Anoki, uh, Enoch escapes with a fellow prisoner in a balloon, which carries them down to the beginning of the path of Sheen, 31, and the River of Fire. Enoch continues up this path on his own, encountering uh, salamanders and the sequential ruins of evolving human civilization. In a prehistoric boneyard, he confronts the evil ghost of a dragon lord from the age of the dinosaurs. He makes his way on through the deserted ruins of human history until he reaches a smoke-belching, smog-shrouded industrial complex that is obviously inhabited. Here he is arrested for not properly identifying himself and is brought before the authorities of a non-America 75 years in the future. And so our story continues. Chapter 11, Technopolis, 2084. Enoch Adamson, with his thumbs still cuffed behind his back, was shoved through a door and pushed into a vast bullpen filled with seated people wearing visored helmets. He had to struggle to keep his balance as the guard dragged him through the maze of faceless operators to a particular individual who had a red letter S on the back of his, uh, of his swivel chair. Enoch waited in silence as the guard handed a small red plastic plug to Mr. S, who inserted it in the side of his helmet. S studied the file inside his visor and through his headphones for a moment, and then raised his visor and turned in his chair to fix Adamson with a sardonic stare. All right, I'll play your game. Who do you think you are, he asked condescendingly. Enoch Adamson, Enoch replied. S. let out a derisive hiss. Who cares about names? What's your number? Adamson let out a huff of his own. I'm a citizen of the United States of America, and I have a Social Security number, he said. And then he added, if you're entitled to it, S. shook his head. You're far too young to make that story convincing, he said. And let me remind you, if you need reminding, that it is unlawful to refer to the North American free trade zone in pre-global nationalistic terms. Such a reference implies regional dominance over the entire hemisphere. We refer to this part of the continent as North America, and we write it in lower case. Adamson was beginning to understand. You mean America in upper case is politically incorrect, even if it's in proper English. The cyber bureaucrat's eyes narrowed to slits of malice. The expression you just used is not only illegal, it's felonious. And for your information, this conversation is being recorded. 
What year is this? Adamson asked. 2084, S replied. Uh, George Orwell was only 100 years off, Adamson muttered. Explain that remark, S demanded. Oh, you wouldn't understand it even if I did. Well, let me make it clear. There is nothing you can know that we can't know. Private information is a threat to global security. It's a book. Search George Orwell, 1984, Adamson suggested, spelling Orwell for him. The S-man vocally repeated the instruction into, into his throat mic. He snapped down his visor for a few seconds and then raised it. It doesn't exist, S declared. Well, I was afraid of that. You don't have books anymore, do you? All books are obsolete. All information is digital, S informed him, as if lecturing a child, and constantly updated. Well, you rewrite history every day, Adamson muttered, remembering Winston Smith's job at the Ministry of Truth in Orwell's original classic. S's facial expression shaded from, a, from cynical to menacing. Maybe I'd better just keep my mouth shut, Adamson said. I wouldn't advise that. We already have enough on you to keep you in intensive rehabilitation for five years. But if you, if you can agree to cooperate and learn to adapt, we might handle your rehab on an outpatient basis. It's up to you. Are you a doctor or a police officer? Both. I'm a sociologist, S replied. Adamson recalled a prophetic remark made by a professor of philosophy at his college. Sociologists can prove anything by statistics. Human engineering is the new black magic. So, when in Rome, think like the Romans think, Adamson told himself. Okay, I'll try to see it your way, he agreed. The sociologist smiled for the first time, but not warmly. And I thought you would. Now, let's get you processed. After taking his mugshot, his fingerprints, his retinal scan, his brain scan, his vocal recording, his blood and his DNA samples, Adamson was seated at a computer terminal and given a psychological profile test. The first question was, if you have a mandatory choice of two actions, which would you prefer? Slopping your mother in the face or spitting on the Bible? Adamson decided to spit on the Bible. The second question was worse. Are an officer in charge of a lifeboat alone on an ocean of freezing water? There is a, no chance of rescue for many days. The boat can only hold 20 people, but 30 have climbed on, on board. Ten people must be forced back into the water or the boat will sink. Among the 30 on board, 10 are over 70. Everyone under 70 agrees that the elderly 10 should perish, but... One of that number is a doctor needed to treat the wounded on board. What would you do? One, expel the 10, including the doctor. Two, expel nine over 70, keeping the doctor on board, and then draw lots to see who else will have to be sacrificed. Three, expel nine over 70, keep the doctor on board, and then jump overboard yourself. Adamson was offended by the contrived limitations of the question, but he opted for number two, thinking it was the school solution. It wasn't. And there were 48 more questions along the same line. Next came a series of aptitude and intelligence tests. After three hours of testing, Adamson had entered all his answers and sat waiting for his terminal for a report.
In less than 10 minutes, the sociologist looked up from his computer screen across the room and announced, Scored high in the creative areas, but I'm sending you to the Army. You are really too individually assertive for much else in our society. I understand that they have launched a major campaign to eradicate the mole crickets in the non-White House lawn. Well, when did you start calling it the non-White House, Adamson asked. The sociologist's eyes momentarily glazed over. It's always been the non-White House, he replied. Adamson wondered what kind of social, mental, neurologistic programming made it possible for someone to believe that a non-White House had always been a non-White House. But, but he prudently kept the speculation to himself. Well, you'll be seeing action very soon. Good luck, Private Adamson, the sociologist said. And by the way, you'd better leave your Peter Pan outfit with us. After cyber boot camp, Private First Class Enoch Adamson was assigned to the 347th Nanotank uh, Nanorobot Armored Division, a crack outfit already engaged on engaging the insidious enemy infiltrating the non-White House lawn. Since NAFTZ had ratified the International Pest uh, control Treaty, mole crickets and their allies, the chinch bugs, had been on the march. They had to be stopped at any cost. The 347th War Room was running around the clock and casualties were mounting. Adamson and his buddies double-timed toward a row of terminals just vacated by a wounded nanotank crew that the medics had strapped down to gurneys in order to control their twitching and convulsions before evacuating them to the field hospital. This was video game playing with a bite to it. If your nanotank got wasted in the field, you fried at your station. Everyone was shouting over the din of battle, huge mole crickets, Mike Charlie's, loomed up on the monitor screens like insectoid Godzilla's, ravaging uh, in a miniature cinematic bonsai forest. NAFTZ's uh, nanorobot tanks were very small. They were marvels of nanotechnology and a little less than an inch long, so that they could make their way through the close-packed lawn grass. This gave, gave a size advantage to the Mike Charlies, who were more than twice as big as the tanks. Adamson strapped into his seat, checked the screen to make sure they were online with a, with a new tank, and gave his driver the high sign. He plugged the, the station's connector into his helmet. Wham! Though, though one over 360 scale was suddenly reversed. It was virtual reality time. Holy shit, we're ahead of the line, Bert the driver shouted. Don't slow down, bug left. Ten o'clock, Joe, Enoch barked. Locked on, Joe the gunner snapped. Don't hunt for the kill spot, he's too close. Nail him, Enoch, the tank commander ordered. Roger that, Joe said, and fired. They were lucky. The H-E-A-B, high-explosive anti-bug, round connected at the Mike Charlie's main body joint, putting the monster out of action, just a few meters short of disaster. But now their, their mini uh, uh, camera lenses were covered with yellow gore. Their super Windex spray unit had just cleared the lens when Adamson saw the golf ball coming at them. 
it bore down on them like a giant white multi-cratered asteroid. No time, no time for Joe uh, to hit it with a main gun. It was Adamson's decision. Pull the plug or they were dead. He pulled the plug. It was a court-martial offense, cowardice in the face of the enemy, desertion under fire, abandoning government property, nanotank robot. Nanorobot tanks allegedly cost the taxpayers nearly a, nearly a, mid, a billion credits a copy. And of course, I've got to put note on that I'll to do later. Because um, alarm clocks sounded and uh, lurid red lights flashed off and on, a squad of military police descended on Adamson Station. He found himself once again in the painful thumb cuffs on his way to another ominous confrontation. The general had Adamson released from his bonds and told him to stand at ease. He dismissed the MPs and, and had them close the door on their way out, leaving him alone with the miscreant PFC. Cigarette, the general offered. I don't smoke, Adamson said. Well, how about a drink, single malt scotch? Well, thank you, sir, Adamson said, accepting a highball glass with two shots poured over ice cubes. Uh, we're in a delicate situation here, Adamson, the general began. You see, the president was out on the lawn, and he was... Uh, uh, was practicing with his Adamson field. And, uh, yes, you might say that. Oh, yeah, it's a friendly fire incident, Adamson observed. Well, it it would have been worse if you and your crew had been killed. Uh, your gunner is the son of a, of an NFTZ uh, senator, the minority whip of the of the opposition party. The media would have had a field day. Well, I'm glad I could help, Enoch smiled as the liquor warmed his innards and began to mellow his mind. The general put a fatherly arm around Adamson's shoulder and spoke in a low tone. Well, we're going to give you a silver star and an honorable discharge in the rank of sergeant. You have a dream job waiting for you at sex tech with a secretary who can't say no, and banker's hours so you can sleep it off. And all you have to do is uphold the official version of this little accident. Is that fair enough? Oh, yes, sir, Adamson acknowledged. Uh, but what's the official version? Well, we'll let you know that when the time comes. Adamson swallowed, blinked, and nodded. Then sign here, the general said, pushing a paper across the desk and offering a pen. This print is awfully small, Adamson commented, squinting at the close-packed uh, six-point type. Well, it's a standard legal boilerplate. If you misspeak yourself about this incident, we'll pull your plug, Adamson signed. After very rapid processing out, Enoch Adamson was a civilian again, but uh, no more uh, free than he had been as a soldier. He inhabited an upscale efficiency condo cubicle, with all the high-tech amenities 2084 non-America could offer, and yet he was totally isolated. His neighbors in the 40-story residential complex all smiled and said hi when they passed him, but they all had wore headphones and goggles, uh, multi-combo units that allowed them to watch TV on the, uh, or the Internet with one eye, while listening with one ear, freeing the other ear for cell phone conversations and the remaining eye for driving, walking, or even jogging. Fortunately, uh, the 2080s version of the automobile ran on computerized autopilot, and, or there would have been uh, chaos on the eight-level freeway system. Adamson was also fortunate that he was not overweight. 
non-America it could not be capitalized even at the beginning of a sentence uh, had solved both the high cost of gasoline and the natural obesity problem and the national obesity problem without imposing restrictions on the oil or the junk food industries. Exxon had been franchised to fit all overweight adults with liposuction valves, which were drained off regularly. Non-American cars ran on refined human fat. Soil and gas, they called it. Uh, Non-America was a cashless society. Everyone, literate or not, was online and living on credit. The old social, social security number had metamorphosized into a federal prosperity jurisdiction number, the PPI. The first nine digits were permanently embedded in a, in a nanomicrochip implanted in the forehead and the palms, and additional four digits were changed every three months. And if you did not, rep if, if you did not report uh, the PPI by the end of, the, of a two-week grace period following uh, the cutoff date uh, and submit a satisfactory report, one lost all accumulated credits, credit uh, priorities, select priority options, and luxury item allotments. In other words, one was reduced to minimum socioeconomic status, the bare necessity of food and shelter. The FBI terminals were everywhere in markets, fuel, soil and grain gas stations, uh, soil and gas gas stations, uh, street corners, waiting rooms, schoolyards, apartment buildings, and even in restrooms. They responded uh, to in, in 10 languages, uh, both in text, verbally, and, and, uh, to the, and for the illiterate, in sign language for the deaf, and interactive braille pads for the blind. Adamson became aware of two extremes in 2084 society, the geeks and the nulls. Geeks had their personal computers implanted in their brains with access ports in the back of their, uh, their skulls. The nulls were anti-tech, refusing to go online. They lived on the barter system usually in the abandoned subways and utility tunnels under the major cities. Occasionally, nulls were rounded up and placed in mass rehabilitation facilities where they were involuntarily hardwired into robo-geeks. Adamson's efficiency apartment was a, was a luxurious scale eight uh, select property option. Corporate CEOs rated a scale nine, and it was rumored that there were secret levels of privilege above that, above ten. But Adamson had no privacy. Inside his dwelling, surveillance cameras uh, tracked his every move, even in the bathroom. He he could he could have had he could have had the cameras. Um, He could have had the cameras deactivated by submitting a declaration of non-parenthood and agreeing never to allow anyone under 18 years of age to enter his living quarters. But this had to be accompanied 
with a 50,000 credit bond to ensure compliance, and he didn't have anywhere near that uh, amount in history in his account. And so, um, and so the cameras kept on rolling. The justification was to protect children from parental abuse and neglect. And what true non-American humanitarian could possibly object to that? Even if he, if he could have put up the bond, the government's war on child abuse and, and, its, and its Patriotic Parents Act empowered the NAFTCBI to conduct random surveillances of all citizens regardless of parental status. And, of course, he had, he had face wall. Face wall. His friends, sex techers had lots of friends, uh, were smiling and chatting at him uh, from his living room, dining room wall, his kitchen walls, and his bathroom walls. <coughs> his bathroom friend, Bruce, came on with witty potty humor after the Preparation H commercials. But, but, but Adamson uh, was afraid of unfriending Bruce, and that, that would brand him as, as homophobic. And he even had bedroom friends who chatted in whispers to him after midnight. He had no privacy, even in his dreams. Ruefully, he recalled an earlier era when the behaviorist P.F. Skinner had published a book called Beyond Freedom and Dignity. When asked why he had refused to read it, Adamson uh, had glibly replied, because there is nothing beyond freedom and dignity. He searched, uh, he searched for, for it online in 2084 and found that it no longer existed. It had disappeared along with the novels of Philip K. Dick and William Gibson. Enoch still had an uneasy feeling about the golf ball incident. It didn't add up. Joe, his gunner in, uh, in the nano tank, had maximum PI political influence. As a senator's son, and why wasn't he uh, he pitching a bitch in the media? And what about Bert, his tank driver? Had the Army given him a sweetheart deal too? The answers were not long in coming. Opening the 6 o'clock news, uh, was a fast-breaking story about PFC Joseph McNallian, son of Senator Dingus McNallian, committing suicide with a robot earwig, not a fun way to go, and leaving a suicide CD in his laptop on which Joe confessed to pulling the plug rather than face possible destruction by the giant mole cricket uh, confronting them. An Army spokesperson recounted that tank commander Sergeant Enoch Adamson had quickly rebooted the system and killed the mole cricket. Tank driver Private Burton Lastikoff had confirmed this version of the story. Senator, Senator Dingus McNallian promised a full inquiry into the incident. Now I'm for it, Adamson thought. I wondered why they didn't keep me, keep me in the Army. Perhaps after killing poor Joe, they figured more corpses in uniform would be embarrassing. He would have to, have to take precautions at work. Sex tech would be a convenient place to off somebody. Much of the company's research was hands-on and wired in, and you could fry a guy in the Arato Grotto as easily as you could on a, in a nano-combat vehicle. 
As an integrated system, the Arado Grotto was a development from the old 1970s dark tanks and balloon suits. Maximum sensory deprivation was achieved by suspending the body in the blood temperature regulated suit with more ganglia than an octopus eating spaghetti. But from there on, the effects were five generations ahead of Skinner, Pavlov, and Lilly. The drugs used were non-causative agents. They served to enhance a hypnoidal state that the virtual reality uh, computer program exploited. They were also sexual stimulants because the new generation of dream makers had discovered, if they hadn't known already, that the sex urge is the major driving energy behind most the most vivid dreams and visions. It's also the physical energy behind the great ideas, great art, great music, great poetry, social revolutions, and violent crime, thus making it imperative to control. You could have affairs with movie stars, supermodels, gorgeous hunks, and boxy chicks, but now they called them hardy boys and honey dips. And there was no need to be a gangster uh, in the real world when you could have the big tit blonde and a hot sports car, the 9mm automatic, without dealing drugs and being on either end of a drive-by shooting. It was the, a real contribution to society, and sex tech gave special discounts to lower-income minority customers. Adamson's secretary, Jan, was certainly a honey dip. She ate nothing but salads, had no natural hair anywhere on her body except her eyebrows and eyelashes, and a vast cascade of silver blonde ringlets that sprouted up from her head. She was as slender as a starving urchin, except for breasts the size of grapefruit and lips that appeared to have been stung by a swarm of bees. Hi, Mr. Adamson, she breathed as she entered his office. Well, you can call me Enoch, Jan, he offered. And she moved in close and pillowed her silicone against his bicep. And you can call me any time, she purred, batting her inch-long eyelashes up at him. Uh, what's on for today, he asked. And she, she pouted and became secretarial. R&D wants us to do another outdoor thing for them. We take a six-wheeler out, out into the desert and have fun in the sun while we uh, collect all the sensory data for them. I don't know why we can't do this in a nice air-conditioned soundstage with a blue dropout. Well, interesting, Adamson said. Privately, he was thinking that this might be a convenient setup for someone to arrange an accident. And yet, it might provide him with the means of escape from this madhouse called non-America. While waiting for such an opportunity, Adamson had already managed to recover his tarot fool's outfit and accoutrements from the sociology officer on the pretext of using them for sex tech foolishness. You know the company motto, Jan. Only the creators of virtual reality ever need to experience real reality, he reminded her. And the six-wheeler was air-conditioned an option to the nines. And with, uh, with aero stereo and, uh, that moved all the instruments in a symphony orchestra around the cabin interior as if they were floating trumpets in a seance. They roared across the desert toward a distant rock formation while Ravel's bolero inexorably gained at its momentum. Jan wore short shorts, a halter, and huge uh, sunglasses. Her slim body was already glistening with suntan oil. Behind them, 
In the jump seat was their sensory gear, digital camera, remote mics, remote probes, computer power supply, a picnic lunch, and on Adamson's quaint medieval costume, serpentine staff, and a leather wallet. They reached the scenic rock formation where they planned to have their episode just as Ravel climaxed on the aerial stereo. Outside the air-conditioned vehicle, the real heat and dry air of the desert hit Chan with an overwhelming blast. Oh, do we have to endure this and make love too, she gasped. Yep, Adamson grunted with Jerry Cooper-ish laconism. We gotta help them city slickers experience what it feels like to make whoopee out in the wilds. Well, I hope they're enemy scorpions, she mused. What comes with the territory, baby, he warned. Well, let's get on with it, she said. They climbed up into the rocks, lugging their equipment, and found a shady place to have their sensory replicated liaison. Adamson had checked and double-checked the vehicle and all the equipment for any kind of explosive device. So far, he had found nothing in the six-wheeler or anything that they had brought with them. They began to rig themselves up for the various with various remotes and sensors. Finally, he, finally, Jan produced a unit he had not seen in the inventory. It was a tiny sphere the size of a BB. The boss gave me this. He said it was very important. Well, what the hell is it, Adamson demanded. It's my deep probe sensor, the latest design. Well, I'm going to soak it in warm water for a while. She looked worried. Are you sure that's all right? What, do you want to get poisoned? No, she said in a small voice, then trust me. They ate lunch while the deep probe soaked in a cup of water out in the sun. After a safe interval of 40 minutes, Adamson decided that the deep the deep probe uh, was either inert or neutralized. He gave it to Jan, and she turned her back on him to modestly install it. Even though they spread a padded blanket on the rocks, Jan still complained until the, the, until the combination of amphetamines and localized stimulus applications took effect. Adamson had similarly reinforced himself and was rising to the occasion when suddenly he remembered that he had failed to activate the VHF monitoring transmitter in the six-wheeler. Sextech would scrub the data if there was no remote monitoring connection. Uh, with a with a reluctant sigh, he disengaged. Oh, Enoch, what's wrong? Jan whimpered. I got to go back to the truck. I forgot to switch on the transmitter. Well, hurry back, she begged. Keep yourself going while I'm gone, he suggested. He would forever regret that suggestion. 150 yards down the hill and around the outcropping from the location of their electronic tryst, he clambered into the vehicle and activated the transmitter. And as soon as he saw the power light go on and heard the hum, he saw the awful flash. The shock wave even buffered from behind the rock, nearly overturned the six-wheeler. The thunder was deafening. He staggered out of the truck to see a dirty mushroom cloud rising above the rock outcropping. The deep probe had not been poisoned. It had been a nano-nuke. 
Jan's self-induced climax had set it off. At least she had vaporized herself in a state of bliss, if not quite a state of grace. It was a rapture of sorts, he supposed. Adamson got back behind the wheel and started the engine. He rumbled down the rocky slope and off into the vast, dry-parched, sun-baked plain. Somewhere northwest, beyond the simmering horizon line, lay the ancient library of the ages and his rendezvous with Hermes Trismegistus. Goodbye, honey dip, a fool muttered so sadly as he gunned the engine and got the six-wheeler up to speed, leaving a rising cloud of dust in his wake to be continued. And we got those we got some footnotes here. Uh, uh, one of the footnotes. Uh, number one, this non-White House reference was written in, in uh, 2005, and I'm leaving, uh, I'm leaving it in the text because it was originally written that way, obviously with no intention of offending the present commander-in-chief. More power to him. Uh, it, uh, it's a hypothetical example of the dangers to human freedom uh, of thought when language is distorted to accommodate political or religious dogma. And then and then two, H-E-A-B, high explosive antibody, we covered that, all right. And but no three, uh, the, this, uh, this was the, uh, the cost of the nanotanks. A techno hoax promoted by the non-Pentagon and their industrial contractors, the original nanorobot tank prototype cost $30 billion, but... The subsequent operational units were auto-generated in miniature at a cost of $47.50 each. The inflated cost figures were justified on the principle of amortization. And then number four. Devotees of arcane lore are referred to the second book of of occult philosophy by Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, chapter 29, recalling INRI equals one three two zero and also six 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 five. I'm indebted to Frater Namus for this insight into how our increasing numbers of illiterate and non-English speaking citizens are going to go online uh, when when the possession and use of cash money becomes illegal. Namus suggested that these idiot-proof terminals would become so common that we could, could not walk a block without passing one. Okay, that's the end of Chapter 11. Now, in the next chapter, which we're going to, uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to do next week, uh, the next chapter, um, which is Chapter 12, and that will be finishing the first volume of Adamson's Quest, that will take Adamson uh, to the Library of the Ages, uh, which, by the way, for you uh, for you members, uh, is very similar to to the to the hard path working, and he will drive up to the Library of the Ages, which appears to be on top of a great big mesa that looks like the Devil's Tower in my Wyoming, except it has a it has a, a library building with a big bronze dome on top of it, and a very interesting way of getting up there, which those of you who have done the path work are aware of. And uh, uh, he'll, when he gets up into the library, he's going to have uh, Hermes will uh, will give him uh, the background of how of how uh, America or not America got the way it got in 2084, 
and uh, and also uh, solve some of the riddles that that, uh, uh, that, I, that he said Adamson on, on his quest to solve. You know, Adamson uh, was supposed to find the 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 horn of the unicorn, the feather of the phoenix, and the eye of the basilisk, and he will he will uh, discover whether or not he's found them when he gets when he gets up to the to the library. And uh, the the the, the uh, I'd like to, to mention that that um, that um, the Solar Logos College, where where all these people, uh, uh, they're nudists, they're nudists, and they and they are, they they all wear masks, and they try to they they believe they can achieve perfection by suppressing emotion, and they consider the the, the, the faces to be far more. Uh, far more sub- suggestive and and and, uh, and uh, far more of a, uh, uh, of a of a of a threat uh, emotional threat than, than 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 the nude body and so they all go around in the nude covering their faces and and uh, bare facing somebody is is considered to be obscene that's like flashing and and uh you don't want to dare do that with a child you don't want to you don't dare bare face a child that's 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 the next thing to child molesting and 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 uh if you if you and they can't stand singing and and uh and you know and then he rubs noses with a girl and gets in a lot of trouble and you know that uh but that does reflect a, a, a certain uh, attitudes of society in, in a satirical sort of way, and uh, so uh, that's that, that's on the path of the, the path of Resch, uh, and so Adamson goes up uh, in, in in the first volume of Adamson's Quest. He he goes uh, from the Temple of Malkuth up to, up uh, you know. Uh, through the kingdom of the gnomes and and, and on up uh, to to Yasod, and he escapes from from uh, Quingsor and and uh, and uh, and Medusa actually in 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 Yasod, and and then he goes you know up to the to solar logos, uh, and he escapes from the solar logos. Uh, with with Wally Wartmore, his his uh, his his friend Wally Wartmore, who is is a wart, and and uh, the warts the warts are are people that 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 the solar logos nudists have kind of kind of they've kind of enslaved them in a way. The wart the, the, there's a whole bunch of it's a whole a whole group of people who who have warts all over them, and and uh, and the, the nudists and in the in the, in the solar logos have, have have sort of adopted the warts as as, as uh, uh, first they they take care of them you know they, 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 because they're starving and then they make uh, then then they make a serving class out of them and so by the time Adamson gets there the warts are in rebellion and and uh, and so he befriends Wally Wartmore who uh, who is uh, and, and the two of them escape in a balloon, kind of like the you know the Wizard of Oz. They 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 escape from this crazy place in, in this balloon, and and that that gets them all the way down to the bottom of of uh, of the of, of the thirty uh, first path. So so Enoch can uh, can do the thirty first path and come on come on back up as as, as he did, and eventually get to uh, to Technopolis, get to the uh, the city of the future. 
uh, and which we just went through. And so, um, uh, hopefully, as I said, uh, we'll have uh, we'll have the final chapter in which Adamson uh, finally gets some answers to all of these questions uh, about about himself and, and and what's happening to the country and the world and whatever. And we'll have that uh, that next week, and then. Uh, we're going to we're going to see if we can't publish this first volume of Adamson's Quest sometime this year. Uh, the original Adamson's Quest appeared, you know, the, the the first eight chapters appeared in in the old Seventh Ray, which was a pamphlet style 1970s pamphlet style journal. Uh, it was very very attractive because we used to print it on on colored paper, and we'd have. Uh, and, and so it was a very attractive pamphlet, and, and it, it, it was rather well illustrated, a lot of my illustrations, and, 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 and I illustrated uh, the Adams' Quest stories, and so we will be reproducing those illustrations, and, and, I, and I think you'll like them. Anyway, uh, as I say, this, this uh, will, be coming up, uh, will be coming up next week, and, and, uh, um, that, and, and you can go... Uh, on the uh, Hermetic Hour website and access the archives. You can access all of our archives. One thing we do on the Hermetic Hour, as those of you, uh, especially those of you in the associate member program who who get uh, who get our abstracts every every week, uh, we always have an abstract for each one of our shows. And the abstract is that that's a paragraph that summarizes what we're going to cover and. We and when you search the archives, those abstracts come up, the title of the show and the abstract, so you can tell what the show is about and and, and before you listen to it. And uh, this particular uh, one is is four years back. I think it's in section twelve. I'm not exactly sure, but you when you go into the archives, just go down go down to section twelve and and, and bring that up and see if you if you find Adamson's Quest and uh, and that'll give you a That'll give you a summary of of, of the the old uh, Adamson's Quest uh, uh, chapters, the ones especially in the old Seventh Ray, and and so um, until uh, until next week uh, and and uh, and chapter twelve, the Library of the Ages. Uh, until then, uh, uh, take care, be well, and we'll see you then. And good magic. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.